Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Australia's second most populous state of Victoria on Friday and reported a record increase in daily coronavirus cases for a second consecutive day, 428 infections after a previous high of 317. Uh, just Saturday, there were 217 cases. It is a bad situation as they enter their six-week lockdown in Victoria. Joining me on the line from Melbourne is Milin Lee, Principal Consultant for Epic PR. Milin, great to have you on and back in Singapore on the radio. Oh, yes. Hi, Glenn. It's lovely to hear from you today and so glad to be on your show. And also a very warm welcome to all the listeners of Weekend Mornings. Yes, here we are, a COVID ambassador to Melbourne. What can I tell you, Glenn? We are now the state with the highest number of infections in all of Australia. And actually, just half an hour ago, our Premier, Dan Andrews, was saying that um, mask is now going to be compulsory. And that's like the first time in history that mask will be made compulsory for all Melbournians and the Mitchellshire people uh, as from this Wednesday, which means that everybody from the age of 12 onwards must wear masks. Well, for some of us who have lived in Asia, I mean, wearing masks is quite normal during pandemics like this. For example, Hong Kong is all wearing masks right now, but I think for Melbourne, this is going to be a new normal, which is interesting, Len. Yeah, and, and, you know, good news, I guess, in that there potentially can be a a lessening of the the transmission that's happening with COVID-19. And the state of Victoria, I understand, leads the rest of Australia by far in the number of active cases, something, something over 5,000 cases. Yes. yes, that's right, Glenn. I mean, Australia so far has registered something like 11,400 cases of COVID and we've had uh, 118 deaths, which are low numbers compared to the rest of the world. But I think, in, uh, in my opinion, you know, one death is just one death too many. And of course, you know, Victoria is leading that with nearly like 5,353 cases so far. Mm. We've had 35 deaths in our state, but our number is basically nearly half of the national figure, which is not good. And following us is, of course, New South Wales with something like 3,360 cases, and then Queensland with uh, a little bit over 1,000 cases. So all of the eastern seaboards really afflicted with uh, with this pandemic, and uh, and it's not um, showing any signs of abating, I'm afraid. In Melbourne right now, we're in stage three lockdown, which means that we've got four more weeks to go before restrictions could possibly be easing, but at this stage, it looks like it could be extended. And by stage three, it means that nobody's allowed to go out. Everyone has to stay home. There's only four reasons that we can go out. That's to, you know, shopping for food and essentials like medication. You can go out to exercise, but not, you know, outside of your suburb, I guess. And if you have to go to work, then you may go out to do that if you can't do it from a home or for education for the case of our year 11 and year 12. And, of course, for caregiving. But other than that, all Melburnians have to stay home. Yeah, which is a good idea, I think, based on the experience that many yes, countries right. many countries have seen. And we're talking with Milin Lee, uh, the principal consultant for Epic PR, of course, longtime uh, former resident of Hong Kong and Singapore, uh, now back in her hometown <laughs> of Melbourne. And, and when you look around, of course, the, the state of Victoria has been – well, Queensland, for example, has kind of closed off the borders with – uh, with Victoria, and it's really become kind of an isolated state. And this is concerning, I think, for many Singaporeans who either have their children studying in Australia or perhaps they even own property in Australia. And, you know, Singaporeans are well well acquainted with that country. Outside of Victoria State, though, things are not 
quite as bad, right? I mean, on the West Coast, they're allowing international students in and things. And, and it really just seems like, unfortunately, <laughs> your state is the one that's, that's really <laughs> in really the absolute epicenter of this for Australia. Oh, absolutely, Glenn. Um, I think where there's been chatter about maybe going into you know stage four lockdown if numbers keep rising. Basically, all borders around Australia are close to Victoria, and I think we are not even allowed. Well, obviously, you know, international borders are close to Australia as well. So, I understand that only 400 people are allowed into New South Wales from overseas, and they are returning Australians or you know permanent residents are allowed back. Yeah. In Melbourne, um, that number is the same as well. So we're not letting many people back at all. And if they do go back, they'll have to be in 14-day quarantine. But that number is very, very low. While Victoria is really suffering, local businesses are finding it very hard to stay open and you know stay in business. Melbourne, as you know, is definitely a cafe restaurant culture. And we have something like 15,000 cafes and restaurants all forced to close during um, wow. the pandemic. Um, some are, are allowed to have uh, takeaways, as you can imagine, Glenn, this is our second wave now. And so once we started coming out of lockdown at the end of, I think, May sometime, people were really excited because they were able to, you know, you know hire staff again and get in mm. supplies to then, you know, cater for patrons. But then all of a sudden within, you know, the beginning of July, we'd have to shut down again because of the spike. Yeah, yeah. And so as you, so businesses are really hurting. So not just restaurants and cafes, but also cinemas and gyms have to be shut, beauty salons. And so I think a lot of these businesses will find that they are not going to be able to come back. And when you're looking down, at, you know, towards sort of the barrel of the gun, looking at just towards Christmas trading, if this keeps going, I mean, a lot of people do a lot of revenue during that Christmas time. And if they can't trade and if this keeps going, then I think we will lose those businesses for good. You know, they just can't come back from that. Yeah. Although, you know, the government is trying to support with a $500 million business support package. But I don't think it's enough for many of these businesses, you know, to be able to continue. And the morale is just so low right now. I feel really sorry for the local businesses. Yeah, talking with Milan Lee in yeah. Melbourne. And Milan, you know, of course, you missed the end of the Australian summer for the sake of tourism and things as the beginning of the lockdown happened. And now it's in your winter time. And as you just rightly point out, if it, if it heads toward November, December, that's right back into your high season again for tourists. And that's at, right. At, at the moment, uh, you know, our What's the mood among people as best you can gauge it? Are they, are they just sort of resigned to, okay, we finally have to do the right thing and, and get rid of this so that we can move on and you know, have a good, a good summer season in Australia? Or is it just kind of depression or whatever that many, many people around the world are facing you know, regarding this crisis? How are people feeling? Sure. I think people are a little bit, um, I, wouldn't, I mean, you know, I think people know they have to do the right thing, but they're pretty down and a little bit sort of, you know, uh, sad and that, you know, their their personal liberty has been impacted, right? And so all of a sudden, all their overseas trips, and, you know, many of these people may have one overseas trip a year, they can't do it this year. Right. And then we were supposed, and then I think there was some focus about doing regional travel, like going, you know, interstate perhaps to see relatives and friends. Mm. But, um, you know, with all the borders shut, of course, they can't do that anymore. So it has to be really, really local tourism. But, yeah. you know, with all the restaurants and bars shuts and, you know, I mean, all the sort of the keynotes restaurants in the regionals, I mean, they can't even go and support those. So it's a really hard time. People are struggling, I think. But, you know, we, we, we know that we have to do the right thing. But, of course, you know, like it, 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 everywhere else, you know, mental health 
issues is a bit of a concern. You know, it, it's not a good thing. But, you know, we turn towards um, the arts to help us, uh, you know, to, to get over the boredom. Um, but um, people are going a little bit stir crazy, I'm afraid. And yeah. it, it's really, really sad. And of course, people are losing jobs too, Glenn. And yeah. it's, it's just a little bit <laughs> of a, a dark period for Victorians right now. And I'm sure anyone that's in lockdown. Yeah, Milan. Now, originally, this second spike was was thought to have been caused by some security guards and cleaners, mm-hmm. apparently who had not been observing social distancing while they were out for cigarette breaks and different things. Is is that still the the thought of how the second wave started, or has there been new uh, has, has there been new information around that? Oh no, Glenn. I think you absolutely smack on the head with that one. I mean, we were doing so fine, Glenn, yeah. as a, as a nation and as a state until that whole hotel private security guard bungle that got in the way. Mm. There was no community spread before that. I think in Victoria, the way that I'm afraid the government's handled the the you know, hiring of the private security firms to look to look after quarantine um, returnees to Australia. That's kind of like, you know, the equivalent of the Ruby Princess mess that happened in New South Wales. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, I think people are very angry that the government uh, cut corners in that regard. I mean, if they had hired like police or correctional facility staff, like those that are professionally trained to look after or, you know, to guard those people that have returned in those hotels, then we wouldn't have had the issue that we have had now. So what it looks, what it sounded like was, you know, these these privately hired security guards were really unprofessional. Um, they were dodgy in that they forged, um, they they basically lied about the numbers of people they have on each floor in terms of security guards oh. just to make extra money. These security guards were interacting with hotel guests. They were, you know, um, having cigarette breaks and sharing cigarettes and. And also having intimate relations with, oh, with no. hotel guests as well. Can you imagine? Yikes. So there was a lot of bed hopping and room hopping, and so it was a complete disaster. So unprofessional. Cigarette and breaks. So uh, when, cigarette breaks sound like the least of their worries in this particular case, right? Based on everything else oh, that was going absolutely. on. Yeah. Exactly. I think there was just no checks and measures. So of course, once these, once the people that were quarantined were let out and the security guards went home, mm. the infection then were taken to into their homes, into the communities, and that has definitely led to the outbreak because you know schools started getting infected. Mm. And of course, you're talking about the lower income workers who were security guards there, right? Sure. And so a lot of them have other jobs as well, Glenn. So you know, you, you have cases of you know infections taking place in the lower economic in of society of, of the community in Melbourne here and many of these people have jobs looking after elderly people in aged care homes and you know a lot of them are casual workers and mm. so they would hop from one particular aged care centre to another bringing infections after infections and, and a lot of them don't make a lot of money and so if they're feeling sick they wouldn't necessarily want to stay home so they would then go back to these aged care centres and so now a lot of our old people are getting infected oh my gosh. so it's, it's just a bit of a like a, a bushfire in some sense, you know, all these people are getting sick. Yeah. And, and on top of that, health professionals are now getting sick as well. And hundreds of doctors and nurses at Melbourne hospitals have contracted COVID-19 and, and they have to be quarantined, which meant that they can't perform their, their work. So they they feel like they don't have a voice at all in sort of, you know, the ongoing battle with COVID and they're just hoping that people are going to look after them as well, the, the health workers. Yeah. So You're... it's a bit of a... 
nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds more like a more than a bit of a nightmare. It's an actual nightmare. Mm, you know, that's right. uh, talking with uh, Milan Lynn and and Milan, your premier Daniel Andrews for Victoria State. Uh, I've seen a couple of interviews, mm. and he's frankly he's looked pretty dejected. He's looked pretty worn out from all of this. Are you? And I know you're not a, a healthcare worker or whatever, but are you confident that these latest measures, this this six week lockdown and the masks and everything, are you confident that this will this will finally tackle it in coming weeks? Or is it strictly a wait-and-see mm-hmm. attitude for you and for others? Well, I think, you know, along with other Victorians, I'm just, you know, monitoring the news every day and just basically doing uh, doing the right thing by staying home and, and minimising, you know, uh, contact and social distancing. So Dan Andrews, I think... I mean, it's, it's really too early to give him a report card, Glenn. I think he did fine up until this whole, you know, private security hiring bungle. So I think at the moment he's lost a lot of support and people are watching him very closely. I mean, you know, it is, I think for any leaders at the moment, it's, it's a hard thing to try and lead a state or a country out of this pandemic nightmare. But at the same time, you know, you have to, to really be ahead of the game a bit and, and, and you know, try and calm your people and, and try and, and, you know, encourage and, and motivate people to do the right thing. So um, the, the government right now is, I think, looking at either a suppression strategy or an elimination strategy. Now, at the moment, we're doing a suppression strategy, which basically means, you know, we're stage three, we're allowing the virus to sort of, you know, we're not like, you know, locking everything down so tight yet. So we're trying to sort of coexist with the virus. But, you know, as, as, as you can see, every day it's getting more and more. And so now people are saying, well, look, let's just stop that right there, just to do a, a total elimination as as Zealand did. So what does that mean? It basically means, you know, total shutdown, go straight to stage four and mm. just to try and eliminate the virus once and for all. But we're still not there yet. And, and this morning with the introduction of making masks mandatory, I think people are just going to sort of, you know, um, go along with that and see how that that's fair. But it's not looking good. And I think, you know, I mean, politicians can only do so much. I mean, a lot of the time we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing as, you know, individual citizens? I mean, bad behaviours is happening everywhere. People are just not used to being, you know, constrained and, you know, shut in, in their homes. I think the other day I was reading that, you know, one man drove like 35 kilometres right across town to get his favourite butter chicken and then, oh, you know, from a restaurant. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. gosh. Well, he was slapped with a fine. Yeah. So he was fined something like $1,600 oh out of his oh. house, 35 case just for a takeaway dish. And, you know, he could have just cooked that himself, I'm sure. I don't know. But, you know, there were like cases of people, you know, uh, singing in cars together that, that, uh, that are not from the same household playing Pokemon. You know, yeah. cases of, you know, police um, being called into homes having, you know, where people were having parties and people were like hiding in their garage and their uh, cupboards, you know. They just don't get it, um, do they? So they just don't get it. They, yeah, I think we all have to work together. We're all in it together, you know. Yeah. If everyone just, you know, do the right thing. I know it's hard, but, <laughs> you know, there's... You know, it, it is boring, but I think boring is better than, you know, being in the intensive care with, with the virus or even, you know, you know, spreading it out and, you know, infecting your loved ones, you know. So I think, um, yeah, Victorians, uh, we're all trying hard. Some of us are trying much harder than others, but we've got to be in it to, be in it to fight it together to, to win this, I think. It's, uh, it's a bit of a long haul. Well, we wish you all the best there in Melbourne and throughout Victoria State. Me, Lynn Lee, Principal Consultant of Epic PR, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much, Glenn, and uh, have a good day. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg.
or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.